You are now doing less once again with John and Jeff. Welcome back. Um, a lot has happened since we've last addressed you all, do less podcast listeners, uh, namely the U.S. election. Um, so we'll talk. We'll go ahead and talk about that briefly. Um, I haven't really been following the details too much in depth. I know there's a lot of broad kind of stories going on, uh, specifically claims of fraud. Um, but I guess, Jeff, I know you, I think you've been uh, following that stuff a little bit closer. Do you want to kind of take us up to date with what's been happening with the U.S. election as far as like fraud claims? Yes. Voter fraud? So I would say there's a 99% probability that uh, Joe Biden won at this point. Um, that I'm just pulling that number out of my ass. But like it's, uh, you know, most of the media has called it for him. Um, it looks to be pretty settled, uh, but there is, um, some claims going around of voter fraud, specifically Donald Trump has been claiming it's not over that he's actually, he, he's, uh, he's not just claiming that there's fraud, but he's claiming that he won and that the fraud will prove it. So that's, I, I don't think that that claim seems to like, there's no way he could know that, um. So that's, I think he's just saying that in a very Trump fashion. But um, mm-hmm. as to the claims of fraud, um, there, I, I think there's, there's not nothing there. Um, so apparently there's some like sworn affidavits uh, by actual official like election uh, like officer type people who have said, you know, there's like, they've backdated ballots and, um, some other sort of things. Um, and so it's, it's not nothing. It deserves to be investigated. Um, you know, check it out. Like the way I see it, um, you know, the more transparent, the better, right? Like why, why do, should we want it not investigated? Cause if there was something wrong, we want to know. And if there wasn't something wrong, we want to know so we can put it to rest. I don't really see much harm um, in investigating it. And I mean, if you don't like Trump and you're happy with the results, it's basically his time that he could be spending doing other things with the remaining time of his presidency that he's going to be spending investigating fraud. So you might as well, I guess, if you if you think there is this low probability that there is any, or even if there was, that it's likely to swing the election or not um you might as well have him waste his time trying to figure this out so i I really don't see any harm in investigating it but i mean my take is honestly i don't think it matters um (laughs) because to me whether or not there was fraud or wasn't i don't think is really the main issue here and uh you know i i think you you probably agree with me on that yeah, so my the my my extent of what I've been seeing is yeah, Trump. I, you know, I follow him on Twitter, and he's been tweeting about stuff like how he thinks that he won certain states, that there's been fraud, and every time he tweets, there's like a little banner oh or like the, or literally Twitter, literally Twitter will like cover his tweet and say no, this is disputed or this isn't right. You know, he, you know, here's the facts, and then they just post like a like a 
something from, uh, you know, a, a Reuters or whatever, another source. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I think that that's just such a, a bad look. Like Twitter, yeah. it, like, like you said, like if there's something to be investigated, I, I don't know why the opinion isn't of everyone to just, yeah, let's get this, let's get it out of the way. Like I know, I do understand with Trump, he's pretty much a misinformation, you know, <laughs> kind of person. Like that's like his whole MO is just like to, to spin the truth the way he wants it to be. But this is like an actual chance to be like, you know, look, we have this rigorous process. We have this or that kind of way to verify it. So let's do it. You know, let's actually show you this is our time to like bring the truth to light. But instead they're just trying to paper over it. And I think it's like really a bad look. And I think that a lot of people are agreeing with me and um, in that thought because um for example, Parler, which is like the alternative to Twitter, is like mm -hmm. the number one downloaded app, uh, you know, currently. So I think that that's going to be a bad outcome for Twitter that they're trying to take this so uh, off, you know, trying to take the authority in this way. I think that I think that that's very bad for them doing. I think they're going to have to pay for that. Yeah, I think that's a very bad business decision because... The reality is Twitter is a very simple app to make. Like I, like you or I could make a Twitter copy in a pretty short amount of time. Um, it's the technology is not that complicated. Uh, what it has going for it is the network effect. And I think we might've talked about this before on the podcast and essentially, you know, this is getting a little off topic, but uh, there's power in networks and the more people you have in a network, it grows non-linearly the power of the network. So it's really hard for other networks to compete with larger networks because even if they're like half as big, they're significantly less powerful. So um, I think Twitter is making a huge mistake here um, because by editorializing everything the president says, like even if it is without a doubt false, that's not the point of the Twitter app. The point is you, you say whatever you want and like people follow it or don't follow it and they just choose like to ignore that information or whatever you know it's not i don't go on twitter for twitter's opinions i go on twitter for other people's opinions aggregated in one place so i don't know i don't need them editorializing mm -hmm. everyone i follow um and so to me it, it, it actually defeats the point of the app if they're going to really lean into this um and i think that like you said opens up potential for competitors and if their competitor gets big enough, they could lose everything because it's kind of these all or nothing type apps. So it could be catastrophic, I think, to them. But um, I just find it obnoxious because it's very condescending. It's like, you know, even if I know that what he's saying is a lie, the fact that you feel the need to tell me that is very like infantilizing, I feel like, to to the user. And that's just not a pleasant experience, I feel like, for most people. Um, but... I digress. I think, again, going back to the claims of fraud, the reason I'm saying it doesn't matter, and then people might be like, whoa, like, I can't believe you'd say that. Like, fraud, that's a big deal. You know, like, I, I would say both sides would agree that seems like a big deal. Um, the reason I say it doesn't matter is because let's say there's no fraud um, at all. We figure it out. No fraud. Um, and this is election was decided by a, a few percentage points. And that leaves roughly 
70 million Americans extremely unhappy. You know, no matter which way this thing goes, there's 70 million Americans roughly on both sides who are pissed. (laughs) And they're pissed they have to live four years under a strong central power that fundamentally disagrees with them on just about everything they see in like more so from a culture perspective and a policy. Cause I would actually argue that the policy is not that far from each other, but culturally are just completely like, there's no overlap. I feel like at this point. Um, and so do we really feel as a nation it's this good idea to try to squeak out a few percentage percentage point majority over the other side every four years and then just hammer the other side with whatever it is we want, knowing full well if they, if they win the next time, they're going to hammer us with everything they want. This seems like a completely sort of idiotic <laughs> ritual we do every four years. Yeah, I... Um... I, I agree with that. I like I kind of said at the beginning. I don't. I haven't really been following because I don't really know a lot about voter logistics, like voting logistics. So like, mm-hmm. I don't really know. I can't. You know, I'd kind of be stepping out of my lane to to try to say, oh, this isn't right. This is right. I don't really pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. But what I do know about is liberty, <laughs> and what I know about as far as liberty is, uh, don't like you should really care about if your liberty is being infringed upon. And I, what I know about Trump and what I know about Biden is both of them are going to infringe upon your liberty <laughs> pretty significantly. It doesn't matter which one, though. It's just going to be one of them. Right. So I think that this is actually a really important time um, because every election that I've been alive for or kind of been knowledgeable about, um, you kind of say this stuff beforehand, before the election, you say, hey, doesn't this kind of suck? This all doesn't makes sense why are we voting for the lesser two evils kind of thing and people say yeah 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 you know everyone agrees with that but we have an election to deal with you know we have to get this election over with and then we can worry about that but then the election is over and then they're like eh, it doesn't matter anymore and they don't you know you try to talk to them about liberty and then they're just like yeah talk to me next election <laughs> time and it's like you're never going to care at that point because you're just always just going to wait till it gets too late and then say, oh, I have to deal with this. I have to vote for the lesser two evils. But right now is an interesting time because the election is over, but we're actually not done dealing with it. It's still in the news. It's still around and and everybody's still talking about it. So it's actually a perfect time to really hammer down uh, what we'll try to do today on this episode, which is that this election, the election process of a centralized government is is not the right way to do it. We have to take the time and, and really, while it's at the forefront of everyone's minds, talk about how voting for this central power that's become way too strong is actually uh, makes no sense. Like you were you were starting to talk about how seventy million people are going to be upset either way. Uh, what if it didn't have to be that way? You know. So let's talk about how it would be, we could make it so that it wouldn't just be. 70 million people upset and then waiting four years until the other 70 million people are upset. Right. So essentially it comes down to, um, like aggregating, right? The problem here is an aggregation problem. So 
we have, you know, essentially half the country leans one political direction and the other half leans another. But it's not like it's completely evenly dispersed and like a perfectly mixed medium, right? There are some states that are far more right-leaning and some states that are far more uh, blue-leaning. Uh, really, the country, the the divide is is actually almost perfectly rural versus uh, uh, urban, um, but it's kind of hard to draw lines like that. Uh, so I don't know that that would work. Um, but essentially, if you if you split up the country into you know groups, then and then let every con- uh, state, let's say, just say we split it up by state. And every state basically picks an equivalent of a president. Like their governor essentially becomes as uh, powerful as the president is, um, but only for their state, right? So you have a, a basically each governor basically gets promoted to president of their state, essentially. Um, you're going to have a lot more people represented by the thing they choose, right? If we have the entire nation aggregating, you're going to basically have 50% of the people pissed every single time. But if you divide it up by state, you might drop that number down to only, you know, maybe 25% of Americans are dissatisfied with their electoral outcome. So just the factor of aggregation versus decentralizing alone can get people much more satisfied with uh, the results of political elections. Yeah, I I always like to to mention like the 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 leaning each way, leaning left, leaning right. Um, something you don't hear often is like both sides are right. You know, like when you're in a densely populated urban environment, it actually makes sense to have like a more centralized, you know unified you know voice kind of that would that would organize things and and would uh you know would handle stuff that wouldn't necessarily be as efficiently handled by the free market you know people that live in cities that want that are not wrong to want that Mm -hmm. and people that live in rural areas that don't you know that live 10 miles from their nearest neighbor (laughs) and they only their only interaction with the government is you know filing their taxes every year um you know they're not wrong to say why why do I why am I taxed so much why can't you tax me less why you know why why won't you say less about my life and I'll just leave you guys alone if you leave me alone mm-hmm. you know both of those sides are right it it really does come down to uh you know how densely populated of an area do you live in and how much interaction do you actually need with like a central planner um so it's like it's kind of foolish to for either one of those sides to to take advantage you know to take control over the other and say by the way you know us over here <clears throat> we we determine what the right answer is and by the way we have control over you so we're going to tell you what to do um you really have to give each person the respect and the dignity to make their own decision and uh you you would get some widely differing res- results i'm sure if you allow different groups as you say to to take um, it into their own hands, like the governors for, of states, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how they choose to rule, you'll get a lot of different outcomes in terms of output, in terms of you know voter satisfaction, in terms of uh, 
you know, quality of life. You could just start measuring all this stuff and, um, and then let people decide what they like and what, and what, uh, how they'd like to, to vote would actually be with their feet. They would actually be able to move around to the, to the areas that they more aligned with as opposed to, uh, um, having to just be subjected to the wills of whoever was able to get 70 million plus one <laughs> votes instead of 70 million minus one. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, the voting with your feet thing, I think this is extremely important because essentially the way all things improve is via slow grinding iteration. This is the case for everything. Basically everything we do as humans is trial and error and the more trials you have, the better the outcome you're going to get in the end. Um, and this is just the case with everything. Um, and so with governments, the, the kind of main problem is we don't have any trial and error, right? We're trying to decide if we want, you know, universal health care, I feel like is this big issue, whereas like most people on the left want it um, and most people on the right don't. Uh, and so we're deciding for the entire country whether or not we should all have universal, you know, health care or not. And we as a country have never attempted it before. And we're, we're trying to do this thing for 300 million people. And <laughs> the reality is we could just divide up this among state lines um, and then just say, okay, California, you know, try universal health care. You know, Texas, you, you don't, right? You can actually roll back some of the health care stuff that's been done on a federal level so you can actually you know go the other direction and then let people decide where they want to live you know if if, if california is super awesome and the healthcare for all is amazing then yeah go live there if that's what you love go live there if you if you don't want that if you want more of a free market approach then you know you can live in texas and then it's like now basically both states are happy you know you can have the case where both states walk away happy if you just agree to disagree but if you decide you want to fight each other and winner take all, one w is guaranteed to walk away unhappy. This is a zero-sum game. Uh, and so the more the fewer zero-sum games you play, uh, the, better, the better off we can all be. Yeah, uh, trial and error, that's a, that's a really good point. I wanted to bring up like kind of the analogy of like, you know, everyone learns in high school what the, the importance of of um, trials and controlling for confounding variables. So for example, an experiment that you probably ran in high school was like trying to like grow a plant or, you know, some kind of science experiment. It doesn't really matter wh what, um, you know, you'll, if you want to measure the effect of whatever the variable is, sunlight or water or nutrients in the soil of growing a plant, well, then you'll do, you know, three <laughs> different pots where you vary, each variable, you know, you'll have a, you'll have one variable that you change from one to the other, and then the difference between the two will really give you a, a a taste of what that variable impact that variable's impact on the plant is. And you also want to do it even for the same variable. You want to do it many times so that you don't have any like strange aberrations that aren't actually due to the the thing you're trying to study. You know, you're trying to control for all that as best as possible. You don't just go in and take all of your seeds and just mix them up into one soil and then do a little bit of sunlight and do a little bit of nutrients just all throughout. And then just like, you know, afterwards it's like, wow, 
this is this worked out terribly. None of my plants grew. <laughs> and you're like, what? At, what could I have done better? How can I know how to grow plants in the future? And it's like, <laughs> that's you gotta you gotta take it take it one one at a time and do different trials and and uh, and <laughs> control it like a science experiment. Right. Um, and so, you know. This might sound all good in theory, but you might be like, oh, but like, you know, that could never happen. Uh, but actually it could. It's actually not that unreasonable to expect that if enough people got behind this idea of sort of decentralization, essentially secession. Um, I know secession sounds like a dirty word because it's like tied to the Civil War, which was about slavery for the most part. But it doesn't have to be about that, right? Like it's just because it was about that once doesn't mean it's always about that. Um, mm-hmm. and so it, it, a great example of this, if you look at, to me, the, a more important result than the presidential election, which honestly I, I care less about, um, was the fact that many states across the board legalized, uh, various kinds of drugs. Uh, in New Jersey, we have marijuana being re- legalized for recreation. Um, and even in Oregon, you have like heroin lsd and all sorts of other drugs being uh i think decriminalized not necessarily legalized um i think marijuana probably got legalized but the 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 harder drugs got decriminalized um and you know i i think that's fantastic but and the reality is the federal government says no to drugs they if if we were just looking at what the federal government said then drugs would be illegal but states are saying no to the federal government and they're saying we're gonna have it be legal anyway because that authority should not fall under them anyway by the constitution so the states have every right to delegate that power for themselves and you just take this and you extend it to to everything you know it doesn't i like you i think there's you wouldn't be able to do it with the military there would actually be a an issue there but uh with a lot of other stuff I, th- I think it's, um, you know, there's a legitimate path towards getting more of what you want in your state. Yeah, I mean, military is kind of a tough one, and it's like something we could probably do a whole other episode about. Yeah. But um, it, just the notion that we kind of operate under, it's like we need to have the most powerful military in the world. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're, you know, we're... we're uh, you know, we're susceptible to attack or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what if we find out that not having the biggest military in the world makes us go to war less, you know, something right. like that. Like there's all sorts of different trade-offs that you don't know if you're always just one way and right. everyone has to go with one way. Having like states maybe with like different size militaries, it's like, yeah, the states with the, like the lowest military got <laughs> got uh, invaded <laughs> and the states with the highest military <laughs> We're just at war all the time, but then the states with like the right amount of money on fighting. Yeah, right. And all their children died in the war, (laughs) which you know. So it's like, oh, there's actually an optimum point of you know military spending that you would actually, you know, you could just look at Europe and like already see how they do it. Um, So, but yeah, that's a that's a whole another topic to go into right um and so i mean to me it's 
there's really actually no downside to decentralizing. Um, I think there is a theoretical downside to decentralization, but it happens at the limit of not enough central government. Um, and to me, that li- that limit would be in like a place like Somalia, where it's literally just a complete power vacuum all the time. And there's like always mm-hmm. just infighting and civil war constantly. And like just, it's just, you can never establish businesses there because there's no, you can't have property rights if like you don't know if you're going to hold on to it for like, you know, whenever. So it like that to me is where the limit of, okay, we, we have to question whether it's safe to decentralize here. It, it's patently obvious we are not near that that point. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. The, f- the federal government's ceding its ability to set the tax rate for every <laughs> adult in the whole country. Uh, losing that ability wouldn't send us into utter chaos. Um, right. I'll guarantee it. <laughs> There's, there's, they have a long way to go beyond that. I'll put my entire life savings behind that bet. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but uh, so to me, that you know, is sort of like a zero downside kind of thing that we could make happen if you know we as people decide we want it uh, badly enough, and then essentially you know, get people in the federal office who are just basically going to cut federal power across the board and allow states to pick up the slack. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But really, I think where I would even want to take it is to another level, which is to say, even if we decentralize on a state level, I would question whether even... uh, democracy is even a good thing um you know we're if we did it at us if we decentralize we already established you get more people getting what they vote for uh so you're gonna get sort of like a more democratic result um and you could even do things like rank choice voting to get even closer to the will of the people uh mm-hmm. or the will of the majority really um but i i'd like to question whether that's even a, even a good thing um, and I'll, I'll give sort of a trite example, but I think it's, it, it, it illuminates that it's not necessarily immediately obvious that getting what the majority wants is a good thing. Let's say you're just out to dinner with your friends, you know, and at the end of the, the dinner, you could all sort of split the bill and sort of pay for your own, um, your own check. And that would be sort of kind of like the equivalent of like capitalism, right? Like everyone just sort of is responsible for their own individual choices. Um, but let's say everyone goes, no, 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 let's put it up to a vote. Let's do this democratically. And then, you know, a, a majority of your friends, say four of them, there's eight of you and they pick you. And so there's only three left to pick anyone else. Um, or let's say there's seven of you, whatever, and four of them pick you, and they're like, yeah, we picked, we voted. You, you got to pay for the, the whole thing. Um, would, you, would you think that's fair? Would anyone think that's fair? I, it's like, that's completely unfair. That's obviously unfair. And you'd be pissed that your friends just ganged up on you and said, 
you're paying for the bill. And you might be like, this is BS. I don't, I'm not doing this. I'm not paying for the bill. And they'd be like, hey, man, that's democracy. We, we voted. Okay. What are you, are you anti-democratic? You know, like it's just, it's clearly absurd in, the, in right. that sort of trite example. But you can apply it, that same sort of concept to a higher level and say, in stuff that doesn't need to be a zero-sum game, why are we voting on it? You know, right. if, if there is that sort of market option where it's like we all just pay for our own bill or whatever, that didn't need to get put up to a vote. It just was put up to a vote because people wanted to put it up to a vote and then achieved a zero-sum z- result that catered to the majority and screwed everyone else over. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I like that analogy and and, t- and kind of to even take it further to illustrate where we are with our democracy in the U.S., um, well, our democratic process. We don't have a democracy in the U.S. per se, but the 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 idea of voting for, say, a president, um, to apply to that <clears throat> analogy, uh, it's like to, if that person says like, "Hey, I don't want to pay for dinner." Like, is it okay for all the people to, well, say before you voted, let's just say everyone just decided, hey, uh, we want you to pay for dinner, if you don't mind. And they say, ah, I do mind. Please don't make me pay for dinner. It's, you know, there's a lot of people here. And they say, like, would you say it's okay to use violence on that person to to pay for? Uh, if it's not immediately obvious <laughs> that it is, because that's pretty crazy, um, if you, like, re rework the scenario so that, you say, okay, you don't want to pay, so let's vote. And then you vote, and then it's like, okay, we decided you are the one that needs to pay. And it's just like, he doesn't want to pay, so now is it okay to use violence because you all <laughs> voted? Like, is that the is that the point where what, what makes it okay? If everybody's on the same page, does that make it okay to use violence? If that scenario still seems absurd, that's actually pretty close to what uh, we have in the U.S., uh, if you're against the tax law or any one, any one of the numerous federal impositions on your life, but you decide to to disobey it, uh, we as a country are like just okay with the government using violence on you to get you to to follow the uh, federal mandate that's in effect. Right, and if you think John's being hyperbolic here, he's not. Right, it's. Let's just take the the drug war, for example. I do not want to fund the drug war, but I do because I have to. Uh, And I don't get to just say, you know, I'm going to give you taxes for this, this and this, but I I don't want one single penny going to this stupid drug war or even these foreign wars. I I don't get to say that. I just pay my taxes or someone comes to my door with a gun and says, pay your taxes, or we're taking you <laughs> to prison, and we're going to lo- throw you up and lock you in there. And if I say, no, I'm not going to prison, I'm not doing that, they will force me, and if I fight back, they will kill me. So it's not hyperbolic <laughs> to say violence is the way we achieve our democrat. Like, democra- democracy isn't any more civilized than any other executive action. It just reflects the majority of people. But ultimately... The way you enforce any law is with violence. And so you the question people need to ask their, themselves much more often is, okay, 
Do I want this thing? Yes. But do I want this thing bad enough? Is it important enough that I feel it's okay to stick a gun to people whose head, whose disagrees with me to get it done? Is it justified in that manner? And I think if more people thought like that, a lot less laws would exist. There would be some kind of sociopaths that would be like, yeah, who cares? Like, just kill who you need to kill. But <laughs> I think most people are decent. And if they, they realize <laughs> that, would not, would not feel okay being like, oh, you know, like th- three charter schools at most. And it's like, what if I want to start a fourth charter school? Well, then we're going to show up with some guns and, you know, put, put that to rest, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and just in case, so in that example, if you're still not, in that analogy, if you're still not sold, because you might, you know, you might be a person that like hears that and says, well, if that person has the most money, for example, then it makes sense. And if they have the most money by a lot, then it makes even more sense for them to pay. Okay, well, let's see, let's, let's shift gears a little bit to another example that's kind of similar. Uh, let's say you're playing a board game. The one that comes to mind to my mind is, is called Scategories. If you're familiar with that game, it's pretty open to interpretation uh, what you put down as your answer. And if you put down an answer that somebody disagrees with as an acceptable answer, the, as per the rules, you vote. Everybody votes on it, right? So in a close game, if you put something down and someone challenges you and you only, you're, say, one point away from winning or you're just winning by you know, some amount, then the people that you're playing with have the incentive to vote against you, right? right? That's just an example where, like, yeah, you can, like, I mean, you know, you play with people that are your friends and your family, so you're, like, you're coming from, like, a neutral perspective. But once you start playing, there's that, you know, you want to win, and it's like you're directly disincentivized to vote, like, according to an actual... Uh, unbiased perspective when you're when you stand to lose but when you you know it's very much uh, appealing in that moment to say well this person's beating me by four points if they get this one then they win if they don't then I have a really good chance to win and then so you know you're lying if that doesn't come into your mind when you're taking the vote so when it comes to voting for a president it's no different than that you there's all sorts of incentives that can creep in that keep you from being this unbiased civil uh, contributor or whatever you kind of think of yourself as when you go to to you know place your vote. Yeah, like you have your own incentives that may be directly opposed to someone else, and to oppose yourself onto them, it's pretty immoral, especially mm-hmm. when you introduce violence into the mix. Right, and and that's that's the key thing to remember is the things you believe in, if if you're putting them into politics. You're, you, I, I would say you are using violence to enforce them. You, you may not be personally doing it, but someone is doing it on your behalf and you should take that into consideration. Like, um, you know, I, I use the, uh, the drug war a lot. Like I personally, I don't like drugs. I don't, I think they're very bad for society. Like I think, you know, they ruin a lot of people's lives. Um, and, you know, I would rather people not do them for the most part. Uh, I think some are okay, but, like, there's, there's a lot I would just rather people not do. But I'm not comfortable 
walking up to someone doing drugs and putting a gun to their head and saying, put it down or else that that stretches beyond the limit of my my comfort zone. And so if you just apply that analogy across the board to everything you believe in, um, I think a, a lot more things are going to fall through. Um, maybe some things do stay, uh, stay the same. You know, if, you know, you're of the belief that climate change is as much of an existential threat to all of us as I think a lot of people do believe, then maybe it is actually justified to put a gun to someone's head and say, you know, limit your carbon output. Um, if it truly is you know, a sort of existential threat to us all. Um, and so I think there are use cases where it is as actually violence is justified and, you know, it's, it's acceptable to use the power of, uh, of a centralized force to, to control things. Um, but I think the set of all things that fall under that sort of category is all the zero-sum games. Um, so a, another example is borders, right? Our country has essentially one border, if you think about it as like, I mean, we have Alaska and Hawaii, but just think about like mainland America. You know, that border is a continuous border all the way around, right? And so you can't really have some states saying we're open borders and other states saying we're closed borders. Uh, because that's not really, unless the states have their own borders and they're enforced across other states, but let's just say we don't have that as the case. And basically if people are coming in, it's up to that U S border. Um, that's a zero sum game, right? You, you basically all need to decide whether we're going to be relatively open border or, you know, less open border or whatever you, you gotta, you gotta figure out and what most people want. And haha, suddenly democracy is actually a sensible way to go about that sort of thing. But, you know, even if you decentralize, then you can have more borders and then more people can get more of what they want. So it's decentralization is still better in that example. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good framework. Um this, I mean, not to undermine, so this whole episode is about how to best preserve liberty, I'll, I'll say, in the face of democracy and in the face of strong central government. And I think that's very important to know as a, as a citizen. You, that should be like the number one thing to preserve. But then I guess kind of back to what I said earlier about how like, oh, Donald Trump versus Biden, like what's the details? What's every minute I'm going to refresh Twitter? And <laughs> on that, I I really, my kind of latest, my latest advice is just turn it off. Like <laughs> all this stuff, it's just not good for you. It does, like when it comes to this outcome, you know, it's, it's more like a celebrity kind of game going on other, you know, rather than a... Or actually, more like a sports team. It's like a, it's, it's honestly like a sports, mm -hmm. like one side versus the other, cheering for your side, cheering against the other team. You know, you, I think it's everyone should just really re refocus on their own life, on their own life. What does the government really impose upon you? Think about those things. Think about if it's all beneficial to you, and what specifically can you do in your own life 
to impact your own life, which is a lot more than what the government can do to impact your life. Um, again, you know, that's assuming that your liberty is not being infringed upon, but, but anything short of that, you really need to, to focus less on these crazy old people in Washington that are just creating all this nonsense and, and really kind of focus on the, the stuff that's important to you and what really matters. Right. And I think if you focus on yourself, not only is it going to make your life better, uh, probably make your mental health better, but, um, it'll make you realize that not everything needs to be put up to a vote, right? Cause you're just going to sort of do what it is you want to do. And as long as you're not hurting anybody else, I don't think you're going to care very much what other people are doing and how they feel. Uh, cause it doesn't matter. You don't, you don't need to put up everything to a vote, you know? Some things can just be agree to disagree. You don't have to say, no, it's one way or the other, and we're going to figure this out. Um, and so I think that's sort of like a toxic mentality to have, that winner-take-all mentality. Um, and, you know, I would bet it's a function of the size of government. Uh, I think our government's gotten too big, and so the stakes have gotten too high, and that's why everyone is so emotionally invested in this thing is because it's just such a big part of our lives, whether we like it or not. Um, and I think the reality is even, even the people who may be more pro government, I think in all honesty would probably be a bit happier if they had less government in their lives. Cause they could still have the things that it is that they want, uh, without government necessarily providing it. Um, and so that's that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, that's a really good argument for another argument for limited government is like people aren't dumb. So when they run the efficiency algorithm of like calculating, like if I want this to be the case, should I do something myself or should I just go vote? Yeah. And it's like when you can just vote and it's more and you'll have more power if all the people who think like you get together and vote on it, then otherwise having to all the people that think like you just go out and convince the people that are directly around you to like, you know, with a positive incentive rather than with a, you know, a law incentive, mm -hmm. you know, voted into power. Um, a smaller government allows that incentive to switch the other way to be like, yeah, I could go vote on this, but the government's not power enough to get this done. It's actually the people like me who believe in a certain thing to go out and actually convince others and to, make it more of a potential, you know, make the potential outcome that you want more of a, uh, a viable, you know, more viable. Right. And I think people tend to forget that, um, everything we have is in a constant state of production. So there's this sort of perceived static amount of wealth or stuff out there. But it's not static. We have this constant state of consumption and production. And so it's, it's an equilibrium that is roughly the same value. You know, we, the, the amount of wealth slightly grows over time. But it, it feels almost constant. And so people feel like, I feel like there's like this just pile of stuff out there. And it's just waiting to be divided up. But the reality is it's in a constant state of production and consumption all the time, every time, every day. And it takes all of us going to work every day, 
and putting our best foot forward and doing the best job we can to collectively, you know, produce what it is we have to enjoy. And, you know, you can play ticky-tack here with the laws and fiddle with this and fiddle with that. But ultimately, our standard of living falls upon us. We can't just rewrite the rule book um, to all give us more. You know, it's you can't just magically create, you know, more energy for all of us, more stuff for all of us. You can't just vote it to be so. Um, and so, you know, this idea that government is really the path to prosperity is kind of a nonsense one. It's a non-starter because the reality is it's, it's up to all of us individually to to go out and produce and, and make what it is that we need to enjoy our lives. Um, and so, you know, it's not so important what the government's doing because the government doesn't really do do all that much for us. We do it ourselves. Um, and I think it's important to remember that. That's a good uh, place to end, I think. What all do you right. Do you have anything else to say? Nah, I think I'm good. Sweet. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, tune in next time on Do Less. Keep doing less. Bye.